Hey guys, and welcome to the Movement Docs Podcast. I'm Jake. And I'm Mike. And we're just two guys who want to help students and clinicians grow in the field of rehab. Welcome to the show. Hey guys, it's Jake. Just want to give you a heads up before you listen to this episode. Uh, we had a little bit of difficulty getting Taylor's audio completely through, so there are a couple spots that are just a little bit rough, but bear with us. There's still a lot of great content in the podcast, and we had a lot of fun with Taylor and Mel, so we hope you enjoy. Never mind then. All righty. Uh, <laughs> Mike, do you, do, you, do you want me to – how do we do this again? Uh, <laughs> we'll just do the intro. <laughs> All right. Hey guys, and welcome to episode 31 of the Movement Docs podcast. Uh, we're back after a brief hiatus in the month of June, and we have two very special guests, uh, Taylor Eckel and Melanie Hudson. Both, are you guys technically second year students now? Is it official? Yeah, I mean, I'm a second year. Once I finish my clinical. <laughs> so Taylor's a second year, and Melanie's, she'll get there one day. <laughs> Um, <laughs> but we're really excited to have them on the podcast. Uh, Melanie is a PT student at Radford University. She graduated from Virginia Tech in 2016 with a bachelor's in psychology. She's currently completing her first clinical rotation at an outpatient clinic in Virginia. Taylor just completed her first year as a DB student, DPT student at the George Fox University. <laughs> I want to make sure I read that with the appropriate <laughs> emphasis. And one of the highlights was a clinical rotation at Healthy Baller with Dr. Teddy Wilsey. Before starting her DBT, Taylor worked as a PT aide and personal trainer for several years and completed a post-baccalaureate degree in exercise science in 2017, also at the George Fox University. <laughs> she is an NSCA certified strength and conditioning specialist. Uh, it's, is, that the is that how you say it? Mm -hmm. Is it? It's like a, like a snake noise? Like okay. Uh, and coaches a handful <laughs> of clients in both person and online. Uh, Melanie and Taylor, we are very, very pleased to have you on the show. Thanks for having us. Yeah, yeah thanks for having us. Mm -hmm. We're super excited. Yeah. Um, Mike, as is tradition, I only looked at this Google Doc for about 20 seconds. Nice. So what are we talking about? Uh, we're going to talk about a bunch of different stuff today. So I want to kind of hear uh, perspectives from both Mel and Taylor about why they chose PT out of the other different health professions that are out there, the things that they learned about in grad school, what it's like being a PT student, uh, how they use social media, and then just a bunch of different closing questions. Uh, but as is always on this show, we tend to derail and go down many different rabbit holes, and I'm sure that's going to be par for the course for today as well. So we're excited to get rocking and rolling with this. Yeah, so initially when Mike and I talked about this, we wanted it to kind of be a revisiting of like the first podcast we ever did where we like talked about PT school. Um, but we wanted to get perspectives of people that were just finishing their first year in PT school um, and kind of like the good, the bad, the ugly. Uh, we already heard a little bit from Mel about some of the trials and tribulations of living in Italy and trying to get into an American school. So we may, hopefully we'll touch on that. Um, but it should be fun. I mean, you guys are both super cool. You guys put out tons of awesome stuff on the interwebs and the Instagram. And, uh, yeah. So for those of you who don't know Mel, can you tell us a little bit more about your uh, – Mel, sorry. Can you tell us a little bit more about yourself 
than the two sentences <laughs> that I read in your bio? Um, yeah, there's uh, not a ton about me. Um, I, I did grow up in Italy. Um, my mom teaches on the Air Force Base over there, so that was fun. And then I moved to Virginia to come to school. Um, and yeah, did you, did you want to go into the whole like YPT thing right now or? Yeah, uh, sure. Yeah. So, um, I've always wanted to like be involved in like healthcare. I think growing up, you know, I, I wanted to be a nurse and I wanted to be a doctor and then I wanted to be a psychologist. So hence the bachelor in psych. Um, Mm. and then I kind of, I've just always been like super passionate about helping people um, do something that they think they can't do, you know, like, and empowering them and bringing out, um, the strength within themselves. Cause that's what we're here for, you know, to just like bring that out in other people. Um, so that always appealed to me about PT, um, and just giving them the tools to like become a stronger version of themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's like been my passion, um, in my free time, I guess that's like something else I could go into. I just enjoy going to the gym and hiking around here. Cause you know, in Virginia, it's like really nice. There's a ton of nice places to like go on hikes and just enjoy nature. So that's pretty much all I do, um, outside of PT school is just lift and, and hike awesome. <laughs> and eat lots of food. <laughs> <laughs> those are those are not bad things at yeah. all. Yeah. In fact, I would say that those are probably the, some of the best things in life. Yeah, mm. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, two 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 things that you said here uh, that I think are phenomenal and kind of spurred a couple of questions that I had uh, before we head into the Taylor's description and background too. Um, so I love what you said about uh, empowering patients to kind of uh, achieve things that they want to do or, or kind of giving them the permission to do the things that they need to do and kind of helping them um, find that power within themselves. Um, I just think that's great, especially w- ah, where we are today, um, where you kind of see sometimes where people are like, yeah, I'm going to do these treatments to you. You're going to get better, but you need to come back to me and you need to continue to come back to me versus you're taking that perspective and saying, no, 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 you can do this. You know, maybe you need a couple of, you know, tips and pointers here or there, but you have the power to do this thing on your own and you kind of help them get back. So I think that's an awesome perspective to have. And I hope we can kind of tease that out a little bit. And then, uh, yeah. you mentioned, yeah. yeah, yeah. And then you mentioned hiking too. And I'm just kind of curious, have you been up to old rag yet? I haven't no, but I've heard about it. So have you? Yes. Um, <laughs> made, made a huge mistake, uh, on hiking that last or two years ago on like the hottest day of the year. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, it was dumb. We were supposed to get there um, a lot earlier than we did. And we ended up getting there in like mid morning and the heat index was stupid high. So it was stupid humid. Um, and it took us way longer than it needed to. And we were all dehydrated and sad, but the views were beautiful <laughs> at the top. <laughs> so totally worth it, it. Is that like a super long hike? It, it took us a it, while. It can be, it can be. There's like a bunch of different trailheads and it can, it can be like, I want to say it can be up to like nine or 10 miles, depending on where you pick yeah, it up. The last time I did it, I was actually cutting for powerlifting meat. And so I was super depleted and had no energy because I was cutting from like 265 to 242. Dang. Uh, and that was not a smart move on my part. <laughs> um, I'm a little, I have, I have a natural 
bias more towards strength training and not so much toward cardio. Uh, and so that uh, it, it destroyed me. Yeah. I feel like those like never go hand in hand. Like I, everyone's always like, what the heck? Like you, you train like powerlifting style and then you go run like five K's in your free time. Like what's going on? Um, <laughs> but trying to break There's... the, break the stereotype there, you know? <laughs> There's a lot of people. Have you ever heard of Alex Viata? Uh, no. He is a, an Ironman athlete that also has like a 750 deadlift. Oh, dang. And he has put out a lot of stuff about like how to train for like a, you know, just general life readiness and being able to do all the things that you want to do. Yeah, for sure. He's also a genet genetic freak. So. <laughs> You know, your mileage may vary, but uh, he's got a lot of interesting stuff out there. That's awesome. All right, Taylor, uh, tell us a little bit about your background and why you chose PT. Oh, man, why didn't I choose PT? <laughs> I first was a patient when I was 14, and I sprained my ankle playing basketball. Mm. And at the time, I was dead set on becoming a veterinarian. I think you're, well, you're the first for two reasons. One, you're the first person that we've asked that question to that uh, was initially interested in going into like a veterinarian area of health. And two, you're the first person that we've had on this podcast that's using your speaking voice through my cell phone <laughs> to capture your audio through Zencaster. So, um, yeah. <laughs> well, you, cer you certainly are. That's phenomenal. <laughs> I really wish that I had my phone to take a photo of, like, the setup that's happening. Because, Taylor, you're resting on top of um, the Daily Stoic book. Yes. And then also, like, a random coaster and some other things so that you can you can join us. <laughs> so for yeah, and outside of the classroom, uh, like Mel, I also really enjoy hiking. I live in Oregon, just a little bit outside of Portland, hmm. and um, there's awesome hiking here. I'm about an hour and a half from the coast, hour and a half from Mount Hood. So I was just up on Hood the other day. Um, I also learned to snowboard this year and went up to the mountain over a dozen times. Are you guys all sponsored by Nike yet? Um, no. Is that not a thing? I thought everyone from Oregon was sponsored by Nike. Pretty much. Um, the Timbers are the 
but that's because they're MLS. Mm-hmm. Um, George Fox sports teams are Nike. It's like everyone from Maryland is sponsored by Under Armour. Yep. That's my home state. I don't really have a strong preference either way. So if you were to wear Under Armour clothing at George Fox, would they kick you out of school? No. No, if you did it at UMO, that might be a bigger deal. Okay. I just didn't know how Phil Knight would feel if you wore Under Armour stuff in his state. Oh, I don't think Phil Knight gives a crap about the smaller school. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Well, let's. I have no rebuttal to that. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so if you go to the Nike employee store, you're not allowed to wear a competitor brand. Like they will not let you in. Do they check all of your clothing? I guess I can see why they are. Mm-hmm. They're only like one of the biggest sports brands in the nation. But I just wish their shoes were wider. I know. I actually tend to buy men's shoes from Nike. My feet are like little platypus suction cups. <laughs> Maybe. I, I don't, think so. It's been a while. What? I don't even. What's posture? <laughs> uh, yeah, Mike. So you're what? What? Uh, where are we? What are we going? What are we doing now? Well, let's talk a little bit about um, grad school and how that's different from from undergrad. So you know, we understand that we studied a few different things in undergrad and then we kind of got into PT school uh, and we're kind of working from there. So, so Mel, tell me about your experiences, um, that transition from undergrad into grad school and PT and what you kind of learned about yourself throughout that. Um, so for me, it was actually, it was like a pretty tough transition uh, workload wise. I feel like I kind of, I skated through high school and then I had that moment of like, oh my gosh, this is so much stuff in college. And then I kind of had the same thing going into grad school. Um, It was just a lot. And I think I went in having heard that it was going to be like the hardest thing ever. And like, you're going to be studying like 24 seven and like all this stuff. So I had all these like preconceived notions about it. So I think I kind of scared myself in the beginning, you know, Mm -hmm. and kind of just made my experience of the first couple weeks, like what I thought it was going to be. But then as I kind of just started to chill out and just, you know, tablet one day at a time. And, um, cause we, we took anatomy over the summer and that was the only class we had. So it was kind of nice to like ease into it. Mm -hmm. Um, so that was, that was cool. Um, and we did that and I kind of just I figured out what worked for me, like study habit wise and how I was going to kind of structure my days. And once I got that down and just blocked out time, you know, like time for the gym, time for studying, time for walks, time for whatever, 
and did it that way, um, it was a lot more efficient for me. And I feel like I was able to keep like my sanity <laughs> a little <laughs> bit better. Um, because I feel like if you make PT school your entire life and that's all you do, like it's just very draining. Um, so I just made sure to prioritize other things as well. And I feel like in undergrad, I, I don't know, it was like a little bit all over the place. Like I didn't really have that much structure. Um, I kind of just got by, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I guess since I figured out kind of more of a schedule to go by, that's been really helpful. And then when it came to the first semester, I kind of just, um, you know, tackled that as well. Um, made sure to block out my time, made sure to be efficient with my time. Um, so I would say it was initially a pretty tough transition. Um, just because of what I had heard and what I thought I was going to be experiencing. But once I kind of realized how it was going to be and that I could make it the experience that I wanted it to be, um, that was pretty helpful. Like I had a really big mindset shift, if mm -hmm. that makes sense. Yeah, no, that, that totally makes sense. You know, because you're coming in with these, these preconceived notions or these expectations that things are going to be grueling and super hard and really challenging. And don't get me wrong. I mean, there's days where things are really hard. Um, but it seems like, oh yeah, <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> where you just feel like a zombie and you're not sleeping much. But um, but it seems like you're able to kind of just, if I'm if I'm getting this right from what you were saying, um, tackling each thing day by day, taking a little bit at a time, and then also just budgeting your time, kind of scheduling out um, what needed to be done when, and making sure that you had a balance for the things that you enjoy doing, also with the things that you had to do. Yeah, for sure. And sleep's really important too. Like, I feel like. Um, that was something I didn't prioritize in undergrad. And I realized how essential it is for my performance, like in the gym and at school, you know? So I think just learning to prioritize what is actually important and is going to help me do better. That was, that was really helpful. I think there's a couple things that really, really kind of resonated with me, Mel. And it's, it's stuff that um, Mike and I have talked about before. And, and we oftentimes like try to really, really hit with um, people that are like prospective PT students. And that's like, make sure that PT school isn't your entire life mm. because there's so like, there are certainly people that do that. There were people in my class that spent every waking hour studying, but those people were losing hair and like, were like slowly part of their soul was being taken from them and their performance was dropping in class. And then the people that like, would just like go do stuff on the weekends or or like on a Wednesday afternoon at like five o'clock, they're just like, screw it. I'm done studying. I'm going to go play video games or go on a hike or go to the gym. Like those people that took time for themselves and found ways to kind of like not lose their identity and the things that they love um, just for the sake of like grad school and an education, those people tended to do a lot better. Um, and I know for like me, I always prioritized like the gym. And so even though we were doing like a dual degree program and had to do like athletic training hours and stuff in the afternoons, I would work my entire schedule around my training times as much as I could. Mm -hmm. And I know yeah. that sounds like super cliched and like weird and so like bro sciencey, but um, it was something that was important to me and I didn't want to lose that part of who I was. And it was an outlet to get off like stress and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and I know, I mean, Mike, I'm sure you did other things. Oh yeah. Um, I juggled, believe it or not. <laughs> so Liter literally and metaphorically. Yeah. Yeah. L literally. So I, sp I spent some time uh, traveling with a, a circus club in undergrad 
And so really enjoyed like juggling just different things like rolling pins and all that kind of stuff. And um, that kind of continued with me into grad school. And so, uh, yeah, during the off times, I'd actually just spend some time doing some juggling because that was a muse for me. You could just pop in some music and then throw a bunch of things in the air for a little while. And then you're you finish and you're tired and you feel a lot better. <laughs> That's awesome. Still working on the flaming chainsaw. It's not quite there yet. But, uh, yeah, I was going to ask you about fire. <laughs> <laughs> I've done knives before. Those are pretty cool. Uh, yeah. yeah I'm, mm-hmm. I'm missing my fourth finger on my left hand from when Mike tried to show me. Yeah, sorry <laughs> about that. <laughs> we tried to sew it back on, but it just like we didn't we didn't get that far in the AT program as far as like limb reattachment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it is what it is. It makes my handshakes much more unique. Um <laughs> yeah, I'm only 90% of as effective as other manual therapists. <laughs> no, <laughs> probably not. <laughs> probably not. <laughs> so, uh, Taylor, uh, kind of speaking along the same vein, you know, like what what are, what are the big things that you kind of learned about yourself in grad school, and what advice would you give to uh, future PT students or uh, people thinking about going into PT school? Yeah, I think it's really helpful to know why you're going into it. Um, something that really stood out to me was when you get to grad school, everybody's taking the same classes, everybody's been through the same classes to get there. As the same for me as well because I like I related to that a lot like in in undergrad it was just like studying for the tests and now it's like we're studying for life you know (laughs) and and like making that transition of okay my my techniques for studying were not gonna help me out with that so I had to make some changes Let's not forget that exercise is technically a modality. Oh yeah. 
That was me just trying to learn through osmosis. Um, because, um, because I was doing the dual degree program, um, I usually wasn't, and I mean, Mike, for Mike, it was probably, I imagine, pretty much the same way. And I had to study in, in a group environment because I can't trust myself to do things on my own, hmm. uh, especially when it comes to academic stuff. Because if it's just me studying on my own, I'm going to just cram PowerPoints from like four o'clock in the morning until the test starts. And that's like what I'll do. And, I, you know, I have some success with that, but I really needed a group environment so that I could like bounce ideas off of people and like figure out the things that the concepts that like I didn't truly understand and have somebody teach it to me so that then I could like have intelligent communications about, you know, whatever the subject was. But because a lot of times I wasn't able to make it to the study group until like 7.30 or 8 o'clock at night, I would literally just like lay under the table like half asleep and they would like randomly ask me a question and sometimes I would get it right. Um, or I would just listen to them talk about, you know, like neuro or whatever the topic was that I, I wasn't like super good at. Um, yeah. mm -hmm. no. I cannot cram. I have the attention span of a squirrel. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's one thing too, like kind of with that mindset of just in undergrad, depending on the school that you go to and Mel, I imagine it was probably, you probably had a similar experience at tech, but I know it was when I was at UVA, uh, like the big lecture classes, like your bios and your chems and all that, like everybody's trying to compete with everybody else because everybody's trying to get into like med school or PT school or whatever it is. Um, cause those big like gen, gen pop or not gen pop, um, those gen ed classes, I'm so used to treating now those gen, gen ed classes are like all the weed outs for like all the pre-med kids. And so no one cares about who you are. All people care about is getting good grades. No one cares about helping you. Um, you're just like a, no, nobody cares when you get to PT school. A lot of times people have that same mentality and they think that they're still competing with other people to, to get into like mm -hmm. some like higher level. But the reality of it is that at, once you get there, like you're a family and you're trying to pass together. Um, so yeah. I found that a lot of times people were much more receptive to like, Hey, can you share your notes with me? Or do you mind like helping me make flashcards or whatever? And we would send like our class at a Facebook group and we would just send tons of you know, study materials because some people are more auditory some people are more visual. Some people need the notes written out. And so, there was always like one person in class that did it a certain way and you could like, you know, profit off of their hard work uh, if you're lazy like me. <laughs> um, but it was just a much more inviting and like family style community where people were, were working as a team to pass instead of just like a cutthroat, like screw you, I'm getting into grad school and you're not type environment. Um, yeah. mm -hmm. I think um, you said a couple of good points there. I think for, students too. I think it's important that they know that it's okay to ask for help. I think sometimes, uh, I, I don't know if you guys experience the same kind of thing, but you know, you feel like you kind of have to shoulder everything on your own or you have to study really hard and if things aren't clicking, you're like, oh, I'll just study harder. Or, you know, I'll try looking at things a certain way or whatever. But uh, really when you get to this point in the game, like Jake said, um, it should be that kind of family environment where everybody's working to help each other. And I hope that is for most of the cases. Um, but anyway, it's, it's okay to ask for help, especially when you don't understand things. 
And even if that's a prideful thing, I don't know if it is for some people, but um, it's okay to say, I don't understand this. Can you help me understand this better? Um, and just asking, uh, you'd be surprised at how many people will be willing to help out and kind of help you burden, uh, share that burden to get you through it. Yeah, and I think a yeah. big thing that I learned, it's okay to go to your professor. Like in undergrad, professors are a little less accessible, but in PT school, like they have so much experience. They know so much more than your classmates, and they're right there. At least in my program, they make themselves super accessible. Mm. So like I remember FaceTiming with my biomechanics professor the night before a final exam because my study partner and I could not agree on what the correct answer was to one of the study questions we'd written. So we texted him and we're like, hey, Dr. Howe, can we ask you a question about such and such? And he's like, yeah, and just like FaceTimed us right then and there. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know that we, Mike and I had that availability, but uh, <laughs> our professors were definitely like always around. Um, and if you had a question, they, and they would tell you all the time, like, don't be that kid that just sits there and has questions and like, doesn't understand a concept and just struggles the whole semester. When, if you just raise your hand or come talk to them after class or go into office hours or whatever it is, you can get that thing addressed. Um, and that's, and I think it's, it's something that I think is a little bit more pervasive, not just in school, but I think in society, right? We have that mentality of like, if we're asking for help, somehow it shows that we're weak hmm. and that, you know, we're, we're not worthy of whatever it is. Um, but the reality of it is if you realize that you need help and you go and be proactive and try to find ways to get it, you're so much stronger than you realize. Um, so, that was, I mean, that, that's definitely something that, that we try to harp on with prospective students. And, and I, I think it's a great point. Mm -hmm. Yeah, one more distinction I would make between undergrad and PT school is that in PT school, everything really is interrelated. And I think something that's been most helpful for me is when I can take a concept that we're learning in one class and integrate it into another class whether or not oh, we're learning something in motor control so that I raise my hand in Xerox and ask the question, you know, hey, since blah, 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 then how does that apply here? And sometimes the professor's kind of like, oh, we do have to talk about this. Or sometimes right away they're like, yeah, or they're like, no, that doesn't apply. <laughs> but then you remember it. You're cementing the information from both classes into one concept. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely a, a great point. Um, I think sometimes though, it may depend on the order of classes that you take because every PT school is like slightly different in the way that they approach, like you get the same content, but sometimes they distribute it in a weird way. And I know at like SU, there's like a semester or two where you're taking things that seem completely unrelated. And then there's like one week where they all overlap and you're like, all right, I got that. <laughs> um, but I know in our AT program, Mike, we had more of like a, everything was like structured exactly the same way. So when you started out, you were learning about the, you know, the, the low back in your pathology class, in your therax class, in your anatomy class, in your rehab class, like everything was laid out exactly the same. And I think if you get into an environment that has a, a, a course series set up like that, it makes it a little bit more conducive to, to that. But you're right though, like asking questions in between different classes to make sure that all those concepts click um, is huge. 
especially when you're looking at like things like neuro, because I think in, in the PT school world, we kind of compartmentalize mm -hmm. like your neuro patients and all the stuff that you learn in your neuro, neuro classes and think of it as like, oh, it's, you know, only when I'm dealing with, you know, a TBI population or a population of patients who've had strokes. But the reality of, of it is that like every time you do anything, there's always some sort of neuro concept that's involved. <laughs> and I think that's one of the harder things where like if you can, if I could go back and do it again, I would have paid attention way more in my neuro classes because at the end of the day, like that's really what we're affecting. Um, yeah, my mind was totally blown when we were talking about the ATNR reflex and my professor was like, this is how when you're like at the baseball outfield or catching a ball, your nervous system is managing degrees of freedom and using this reflex to make a more efficient motor pattern. I was like, Whoa. <laughs> yeah that's so true but like even uh like something like genteel's taxonomy if you guys have talked about that where you're like basically progressing through different environments and different like tasks and trying to get to a more complicated thing from a less complicated thing or like regressing something like that concept to me i compartmentalized and thought of it purely as like a neuro thing but the reality of it is if like if you're doing like progressive exercises or you're taking a patient through, you know, some sort of like hip hinging pattern and you start with like bridges and then you go to tall kneel and then something else and then you throw uh, some other sort of variable in that progression, you're using Gentile's taxonomy uh, or you're going through some sort of like neurodevelopmental sequence of like prone and supine to like half kneel to quadruped standing, whatever it is. But like all those neuro concepts always keep coming back. And I don't know. I just wish I had paid attention more in school. <laughs> That's the truth. So so question for you guys. Um, Taylor, let's have you go first. What what advice we, we talked a little bit about giving advice to other PT students and stuff and uh, kind of reflecting back on your first year, getting ready to head into second year. Um, what advice would you kind of give to yourself? Um, when you were starting this process uh, and, and kind of like moving forward, what, what are you going to kind of take into second year? Ooh, that's a, that's a big question. <laughs> I think one of the biggest things that stands out to me from first year is a conversation I had with a professor and he gave me the advice to work on letting go I the idea of the concept of should, particularly as it relates to other people. Hmm. Um, I think because I have a very clear idea of where I want to end up in PT, I have some really strong opinions about the way PT is practiced. I tend to project those onto other people. And I think that they sh if I wouldn't do it, they shouldn't do it. Or if I would do something, they should do that too. Hmm. And what this professor was encouraging me to do is try and look at it through the lens of you do what is true to you. You practice and study and whatnot in a way that um, maintains your integrity. And if other people are interested, they can join you in that. And if they're not, you can have a discussion and say, you know, have you ever considered the possibility that X, Y, and Z, but you don't force things on people as well, you should do it this way or you shouldn't do it this way 
Um, and I think that's my big takeaway from first year, mm-hmm. especially since I have a really strong strength and conditioning bias. I came in with almost 5,000 hours as an aide mm-hmm. um, in like six clinics in three different states. It's really easy to think that I know how things should be done but I'm still a first year or now a second year. And just because I've had certain experiences doesn't mean those are true across the board. It doesn't mean that everybody else has had them. So I don't know, just I think approaching ideas or strong opinions with more humility. Mm. I love that concept. And Mike, you know how we always like to bring back things that we've talked about before? Mm -hmm. Guess what book I'm about to reference? Oh, that's a good book. Uh, not, I wasn't going to say that one. I was actually going to say The Alchemist. Because that whole thing where your professor told you to like do what's right for you just reminds me of the con- like the idea of like finding your personal legend. Mm-hmm. And like just doing your own thing. And if people if you are it's that same quote again, Mike. If you when you like conspired or when you set out to do something the whole universe conspires to help you see that through mm-hmm. or achieve it whatever it is i'm probably butchering it even though we'd re- reference it like every other episode <laughs> um i should know it by now i should probably just get that tattooed next to my other tattoo so i can like look at my arm when i need to quote is it, it next to the anchor tattoo uh, that you have uh yeah the one that says like not all those who wander are lost mm-hmm. my like millennial girl tattoo yeah. i should just get like a sleeve of like <laughs> millennial tattoos of like an arrow mm-hmm. and an anchor mm-hmm. and all those who wander along spice latte uh, yeah like a starbucks cup mm-hmm. um no but i i love that though because you're right there's so many like little nuggets and knowledge bombs in that like two minutes of conversation that you just had um and my brain's like melting a little bit i think my duras are blending um <laughs> But but I th- that's just like that's I it's so true like I don't I don't know how to how to like words right now but uh, you can't really compare yourself to other people like in the, regardless of what it is that you're talking about when it comes to school like you can never compare yourself to other people you can't really compare yourself you know clinician to clinician um, because everybody has a different perspective and everybody has different biases and at the end of the day like you know you may you may have research or something to back up why you do something, but unless you follow your own truth or seek to understand why other people are doing the things that they're doing, um, you could just become kind of like a dick or a douchebag if you just assume that everyone should do it the way that you're doing it. Can you say that a little bit louder, Taylor? Oh, sorry. Um, I said I like that you brought up referencing evidence because having this perspective doesn't preclude the possibility of an objective right and objective wrong, but it does shape the way you approach those conversations with other people. Mm -hmm. I agree. It's the truth. Yeah, because you don't want to go down the rabbit hole of being 
like, well, this is my truth. Like, you can have your truth, which is fear-mongering and passive treatment and pseudoscience. Like, that's not productive. But I think you can have that conversation in a way that is productive. And you can also be like, no, I'm right, you're wrong, and that's not going to get anywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I think the more the... And you bring up a really good point there, especially when you're talking to other people that have differing opinions, is if you just adopt that mindset of like, the I'm right, you're wrong, and everybody just digs deeper into their own beliefs and biases, then you just turn into like a political Facebook discussion where everyone just yells at each other and there's like nothing good that ever happens. Exactly. Um, So like you can, you know, you can certainly know what is objectively right or objectively wrong. But I think that, especially in the world of like today's world of like social media, it's when you see all those things like fear mongering, or you see things that you know are objectively wrong, you have to find ways to not just go with the emotional appeal and like that instant, like anger or being upset and trying to find ways to be more civil and understanding and kind of like the discussion we had with you mel like um with regarding your clinical experience like try to find ways to kind of slowly change maybe change somebody's opinion or beliefs based on the conversations you have or the evidence that you show them Um, but i think the more civil that you can be and the more uh human and understanding even if you don't necessarily agree with something the better off you are in the long run versus just like digging your trenches and throwing your F-bombs at each other. Yeah, I definitely, I think, Taylor, I think me and you have talked about this before, but I found myself getting like really bitter at a certain point in PT school where I just felt like I was learning all this stuff outside of the classroom that was like very pain science-y and like not as like related to what we were learning in class and I would just come into class and sit there and like in my head be like I'm right you're wrong and it just wasn't like conducive to anything like it it was impossible to have a discussion that way and it was also just making me unhappy because I felt like I was learning one thing in class and then reading about other things outside of it and just getting really like frustrated and I think like to have those type of conversations, you have to also just be like patient and understanding and kind of just realize that people don't like always believe what they believe to just argue with you. It's just like, we all have different backgrounds and we've been exposed to different things. And I think just trying to understand others rather than coming at them with such a like harsh viewpoint can be really helpful, especially if you want them to like see things the way you see them, you kind of have to be be someone they want to listen to you know like no one wants to listen to that person who's like really pissed off and like like you guys were saying like yelling at them and you know like being like you're wrong so I think just watching the way we word things is like really important I, I couldn't agree more it, I think it's uh, oh go ahead Jake it, oh no no Mike you're good you're no good. I was just uh, I was just gonna say like um you know uh you have you have your own perspectives right you have your own biases and things that you're passionate about and things that you've seen have worked uh, in the past, you know, whether that be certain different exercises or a different style of treatment. Um, and you can be passionate about those things. You may even have the evidence that says, yeah, this is, this is working and all that kind of stuff. Um, but the individual that has that opposing view 
probably also has similar types of biases, similar types of experiences and similar types of evidence that says that it works in that regard too. So I think you bring up this really great point about being able to listen and and having that conversation with that person uh, in such a way that they want to listen to you. Um, And you hope that it'll be reciprocated and you can listen to them too. And maybe by the end of that conversation, you both will learn something from each other's perspective. It kind of comes back to that, like yeah. the thing we we've talked about before of just like be a good human, yeah. right? If if you're a good human, like regardless of whether this is like the context is PT school or in the clinic or in like the rest of your life, if you're a good human and you're nice to people and you're like understanding and empathetic, you don't always have to agree with them, but if they see you as like this good person, they're more likely to listen to what you have to say and have a civil discussion with you. It's like that with patients. Like if you get somebody and they're like, you know, oh my God, my back's gonna explode if I bend down and pick up this pencil and you just like go ham on them about like, you know, how resilient your back is and you just like attack all their beliefs. Like maybe they're not gonna come back to you because they think you're just a dick. Um, And they don't think that you like, they don't feel validated that you like understand that they're in pain and they're having all these fears and blah, 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 blah. But if you like open that that relationship and you're just like a good human and you you know you're empathetic to them and you understand that they have pain and you're trying to console them and you know all that other stuff, when they like like you and they feel that they're safe with you, you're able to kind of like chip away at those beliefs. And then, you know, maybe two weeks later, your 85-year-old woman's deadlifting a hundred-pound kettlebell. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think being patient is important. Like this is, I mean, I'm only a first year and this is my first clinical rotation, but I've definitely, you kind of have to, at least for me personally, I have to fight the urge to like want to change all their beliefs on day one. And it's like, it, it's not going to work that way, like how you think it's going to in your head. And so it's kind of just like sprinkling it in here and there. Like maybe it's literally just too empowering sentences on this day and that's all you say to them and you're not going to change like they've if if they're like 50 years old like they've believed what they believed for a really long time and you're not going to change it in one conversation so I think recognizing that and just especially as a student who wants to like change the world you know like learning that it's gonna it's got to be in small doses that was a really big thing for me I think you're totally right go ahead Jake I can't, I was just gonna say, I can't agree more. It's, it's all about dosage and whether that's like, you know, your three by 10 green TheraBand external rotations <laughs> or your pain science or just like your, your encouragement and your like human compassion and, and kindness. Um, all of those things need to be dosed appropriately. And that's, that's the hard part. Like I, I mean, I've been practicing for six months now, so, you know, I'm totally an expert on everything. <laughs> um, but that's one of the things that one of the some of the biggest mistakes I've made clinically have been just like going to ham with certain things, whether it's like pushing somebody a little bit physically too much or, you know, trying to educate them. Um, you got to you just got to get a feel for the, per, the person that you're working with and the environment that you're in, regardless of whether it's school, clinic or life. And just, you know, through trial and error and daring to be bad, and make mistakes. Uh, just become better at how you dose things. Totally. It's a, 
And you just reminded me, this whole conversation thread that we've been on kind of reminded me of an interaction I had with one of the therapists at my last clinical. Um, and so, you know, we were having this discussion. Uh, she got to sit, sit in and kind of uh, listen to uh, my evaluation that I was doing with this patient and, and working with the whole process from when um, we, we took her back into the room and, and throughout the whole like subjective and objective and all that kind of stuff. And uh, at the end of it, she was just like, all right, so I want you to think about this um, on your drive home. Uh, and just kind of reflect on this and get back to me. She said, you know, what will your patient remember about your interaction today or about their experience today? So, you know, we have in our heads, like how we want our evaluation process to go and all this kind of stuff. But, but what is it that your patient is going to remember about you and about that experience that they had, you know? And so it's, I thought that was a, a really powerful kind of a reflection to get an understanding of what is in uh, or like what experience you're kind of projecting um, and the interactions that you're kind of projecting with your patients and, and trying to, to get into their head a little bit and thinking about where they're coming from and what their experience with you was. Mike, to go back to one of the quotes that we always quote, um, another great author, Maya Angelou, mm -hmm. people don't remember what you say or what you do, but they remember how you make totally. them feel. Yeah, you're, you're always going to get those people that just want their butt rubbed. Mm -hmm. That's just a reality of life. <laughs> Regardless of how, you know, how much you try and play the game or how you dose your stuff out, there's always going to be people that are so entrenched in their beliefs and that look as PT is just like a 20-minute butt rub, do 10 minutes on the bike, and then I'm GTFOing. <laughs> Although, in all honesty, I kind of would like to get my butt rubbed for 20 minutes. I can be over in 15, Jake. <laughs> Pulls back the towel after this whole preface, and there's a tattoo on this guy's butt. <laughs> and this professor looks shocked and 
spiral and very quickly covers his butt back up. And he goes, I forgot to ask, do you have a preference which side I expose? <laughs> and then my dad's like, no, it's fine. And the professor is clearly really flustered at trying to hold it together. Goes through his demo, and then 10 minutes later, interacts and he's like, I just realized that that was a temporary tattoo. <laughs> subject of butt tattoos um when i worked for uva football we had one of these one of the defensive linemen uh had a smiley face tattoo on his left butt cheek and every time they wore white game pants he wore a jock strap so you could see the smiley face tattoo on his butt and one day at practice i was like dude why do you have a smiley face tattoo on your ass and he was like because one day when I'm 95 years old and I'm in a nursing home and someone has to wipe my butt, it's going to make them smile. <laughs> That's wonderful. <laughs> Sorry, I'm still processing. <laughs> Mike, do you have a butt tattoo story? Mel, what do you guys got? Butt tattoo no. stories, anybody? Uh, I don't have anything. Sorry. <laughs> oh, good That's too great. Let's talk a little bit about social media. So, uh, Mel Taylor, how do you guys use okay. social media, and in what way do you kind of use it to kind of help propel uh, your thoughts about PT and all that kind of stuff? Let's have Mel go first. Um, I honestly. At this point, I don't share, like, a ton of my own content that's, like, PT-related. Um, recently, I've been going through, like, kind of rehabbing a few injuries in the gym. So I've been posting about that um, and hoping that maybe sharing a few, um, like, a little bit of insight into that process can kind mm -hmm. of share some information about PT as well. Uh, but I guess I just haven't – I haven't, like, been – really big into putting out content for about the past year on my platform. But, um, yeah, I'm definitely, I'm not like Taylor. I feel like Taylor has, um, a lot more, you know, helpful information out there. So she can go ahead and answer this question. Um, but like, cause for me, I don't, I don't really, I feel like I share a lot on my story. Like if I listen to a really good podcast or like I, uh, see like a really good mm -hmm. article or something like that, I'll kind of share that. But um, for the most part, I'm not at this moment like creating any of my own content, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's, yeah. Totally, that's totally cool, too. Um, that's kind of the neat thing about it is, you know, it's just like this, this big hodgepodge of a bunch of different information. and You can kind of share it in different ways. And I think one of the things you, you're reading, like the, the Daily Stoic, right? Yeah. OK, yeah. We'll, we'll see occasionally just like different um, different posts from the pages and that kind of thing. Um, yeah. I love that book. I um I started posting it like 
every now and then kind of when one would really speak to me. But I honestly, that's like one of the things that I've done that I've gotten the most response from. I've gotten like a ton of DMs just saying like, thank you for sharing this. Like I, I don't buy the book just because I know you're going to post it every day or, <laughs> oh, I, you inspired me to go buy this book. And um, a lot of people will like repost it and be like, wow, this one really spoke to me. And I am all about that because, I mean, you guys have read The Daily Stoic, right? It's propping Taylor's phone up right now. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. So, yeah, I just, I love that book. I think there's just a lot that you can draw from it, you know, throughout your day. Just, I find myself in moments where my patience is like tested or where I like start to get stressed out. I kind of just think back to something that I read there and it's, it's just helped me immensely. Like talking about something that's helped me get through grad school, like the daily stoic, honestly, like it's, it's definitely got me through a lot of tough days. That's awesome. What, um, for, for our listeners out there that might not be too familiar with the book, what, what is it about? Um, well, my main takeaway that I got from it is like just taking control over your thoughts and emotions and not being a slave to them. So it's really easy in the moment to, if you're angry about something or like thinking like other things make me angry, other things make me upset, but kind of shifting that perspective to this thing happened and now how I react to it is under my control. And that was a really big mindset shift for me personally. And just like it applies, there's a lot more. Um, I could go on about that book forever, but (laughs) that's like one of the really main things about just taking control, taking responsibility and, um, remaining and practicing it. So like, that's, that's not a mindset shift that's going to happen, you know, overnight. It's just like practicing it day after day and, um, yeah, just being in control and not letting situations dictate how you react to them, I guess. Hmm. Okay. So would you, would you say you mentioned this kind of like daily practice and all this kind of stuff and this consistency? So it's almost like that that hardiness factor and that kind of like emotional fortitude is almost mm-hmm. like working out, right? To get those yeah. changes physically, I guess in this case emotionally, you need to be consistent and kind of work on practicing it. Brain gains. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Uh, oh, but sorry, uh, I'll just go back to the the um, social media thing really quick. But basically what I use my platform for is kind of just um, when I first started my account, it, it was like a fitness account. And I saw a lot of like girls that were out there like dieting and doing all these crazy like um, like super low calorie diets and like a ton of cardio and all this stuff. And I just wanted to show people that there's like an alternative way to like incorporate fitness and like health and caring about those things into your life, but not making it so miserable. And like, that was kind of what made me start that account in the first place. Um, Mm. so it's, it's definitely more geared towards like a balanced, um, approach to fitness and nutrition. So that's like the majority of the content that I put out on there. Is that why it's called Oreos and squats? Instead of starving yourself and running. Exactly. (laughs) Cause, um, I used to like my, one of the first fitness apparel, uh, clothing brands that I like bought was like a donuts and deadlifts tank top. Mm -hmm. And I thought that, I thought that like their, um, handle was so cool. Um, and I was just like, okay, I want to do something similar. And like, I loved Oreos and then squat was my favorite lift at the time. So I was like, okay, I'm going to be Oreos and squats. (laughs) (laughs) It's phenomenal. (laughs) Yeah. 
<laughs> what is your favorite lift this time? <laughs> Has that changed or is it still squats? Well, yes. Um, well, typically it's deadlift, but right now I'm, you know, rehabbing a little bit, uh, my knee and some other things going on. So right now it's actually bench. Um, I feel like that's not the most common response, but <laughs> I, I love bench right now. <laughs> nice. Bench yeah. is a great lift. I great think they're lift. all, they're all great lifts for different reasons, you know, um, log press. <laughs> Log press and circus dumbbell are the ones that will like take a part of your soul away from you. They're very unforgiving. Yeah. I'm not I'm not strongman enough for that. <laughs> sure you are. Anybody can do it. Yeah. I'll I'll have to I'll have to try it. <laughs> if you guys come up here uh and hang out, um you can come try strongman stuff in my gym. Okay. There's there's stuff at my gym. I'm just like I'm like the weakling of my gym, so <laughs> I just stick to you know my own thing. It's totally cool. But if you ever want to pick up a rock or like a sandbag or carry a yoke on your back, just let me know. Okay, I will. <laughs> That's awesome. They are, but they're also very fun. I'll, I'll take your word for it. No, actually, I, I would totally try it. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, awesome. so funny. I've been going through my Instagram feed lately, and I'm following a bunch of people. Just because I'm kind of the key, like, like what shows up in my feed is relevant to what I'm putting up. And I can see all these different feeds that I've gone through. I've been doing the same thing. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay. It's like cool though. Oh, sorry. No, no, go, no go for it. Go for it. I was just going to say that Instagram has been like a really awesome platform for just connecting with like um, PTs, like practicing clinicians now. Cause everyone's so nice and so helpful. Like, I don't know. I just, over the summer, I just started reaching out to people and they were really nice and like just gave you so much, so many resources, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think for me, Instagram is like an awesome learning tool. Um, and I don't know, I'm just, I'm grateful that I'm in like a time where that's like possible, I guess, you know, like it's like networking. It's, it makes it really easy, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I totally agree with you. Um, there's, there's a lot of different times where I'm kind of scrolling through the different feeds and I'm seeing different exercises or different ways of uh, uh, looking at you know, different treatment strategies or something like that. And like, oh, that's awesome. You know, maybe I'll try that with a couple of my athletes. You know, it seems like it'd be really applicable to them or something like that. Or reaching out, like you said, uh, to different clinicians that are practicing and asking them questions like, hey, I saw you posted this thing about such and such with the shoulder or so on and so forth. You know, like, what well, what is the results been with that? Has it been pretty good? And, and you know, they'll, they'll give good feedback uh, in terms of, like you said, articles and that kind of thing. So, I, I totally agree with you. It's been an awesome uh, 
platform just for learning in general too. I really like the social aspect of it because like, I don't know. I mean, we, Mike and I, like, this is more of our hobby than anything else. We don't really put a ton of effort into like trying to constantly produce content. Like we've done some stuff in the past, but just with the way that life is like, this is just an outlet for us and a way to like meet really cool people. And so it's just been really awesome to like be able to, to interact with people on social media and then like get to know them, like have phone conversations, have you on the podcast, like just talk and like make connections. And uh, that's been really cool because we've gotten to know a lot of people and like we have text threads with like everybody um, with just like random stuff. Usually it's like funny kind of trollish humor back and forth um, and not necessarily PT related, but then also sometimes there's a lot of like in-depth discussions about like evidence or specific con concepts and stuff. And so I really enjoy mm -hmm. that because I just like getting to know people and, and trying to become a better human. Yeah. You know, we get better each day. Right. And so it's a good, a good way for us. We talk about like paradigm shifts and like kind of expanding the mind all the time. And um, when you have the opportunity to, interact with other people and see things through a different lens it helps you ultimately grow too and so we've been grateful for that wow. yeah taylor tell us a little bit about your social media and, and what you've been using having a hard time catching that last bit of that. <laughs>
was that in regards to your blog? I, sorry, you're kind of going in and out. I think my audio was kind of messing up. Um, were you uh, mentioning no. the blog, the blog that you just created, or no? Yeah, yeah that's what I'm talking about. Okay. I think I it's really so I'm literally dangling it like a quarter of an inch away from the mic. Oh man, talk Use your outside voice, Taylor. I'll try my best. Not much. I didn't catch much. I don't know about you guys. I caught it, but that's only because I, I checked out her blog, so I know what's going on. But maybe you might want to repeat it for the listeners so that they know what you're saying. Yeah, or I could just be lazy and leave it in so everyone hates us, but, you know. <laughs> I'll just put the technical difficulties music in again. So Taylor created like a, so correct me if I'm wrong, but you created this blog kind of where you can um, talk about articles and like create short little like reviews of certain articles, like saying if it's like good evidence and kind of just having it as a resource to like easily access more information for like yeah. students and stuff. Is that, was that pretty much it? Okay, cool, cool. Yeah, I looked when I looked at it. There was one article, um, and I <laughs> so I kind of I did I did check nice. it out. <laughs> oh, nice. Okay, okay. I gotta I gotta get oh, on that awesome. then. <laughs> well, cool. So it sounds like you guys are using um, social media um, different ways, but still um, kind of I don't know. Um, you get the most out of it in both the different ways that you're using it. So I love the messages that you're both trying to send um, with e with each of your um, handles. I guess that's the right term. I'm still trying to get used to this Instagram thing. <laughs> um, but that's cool. So you guys reading any good books lately? We always like to um, just talk about this just because people are uh, generally interesting and have different um, books. We talked a little bit about the Daily Stoic. And Mel, you mentioned the ego is the enemy. Yeah. Is that something that you've read recently? Um, or, um... I just started, so yeah, I don't have too much insight. It was recommended by like a ton of people, so I decided to start it. But I feel like, I, I don't know, I start like a ton of books. Like I'm also reading The Brain That Changes Itself. Um, I don't know if y'all have heard of that one. but It's, it's, come, it's come up on a podcast a couple of times. Yeah, but... yeah so I, sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say I'm, I'm like kind of bad because I'm about like, I don't know, like a fourth of the way through that one. And then I'm like, oh, well, I want to read like the ego's enemy now. So I'm kind of just floating around, I guess. Um, but they're, they're kind of like the, the nice thing about the brain, the brain that changes itself is that it's, um, 
each chapter is kind of a different story and it's kind of just a different um, take on neuroplasticity as it applies to different um, conditions and like things like that. So it's Mm -hmm. easy to read in chunks. Like you don't have to read the entire book at once, if that makes sense. So like that's that's nice about it because that works with my um, the way that I read books. So. Yeah, so you can you can kind of section it off and, and jump around to different books. Yeah, and you're not missing anything. Exactly. That's cool. Yeah, cool. I'm also cool. reading *Go Into Enemy*. Really good. Um, I think they make a really interesting distinction between passion and purpose, and how passion can usually be sort of like a politically correct or even socially acceptable way to refer to ego, and ultimately it's not very productive. Definitely, um, we'll find the links for those and put them into the show notes for anybody that's interested in reading any of those books. Oh, and I do have one book recommendation for anybody who likes mm-hmm. to train. Uh, How Bad Do You Want It by Matt Fitzgerald. He mostly focuses on endurance athletes, but it's really applicable to strength sports as well. Cool. How bad do you want it? Is that what it's called? Yeah. And that's also one that you can read one chapter at a time. Awesome. Okay. We'll definitely put that one in there as well. Cool. All right. I think we're running up near the end of our show here. And then there is one question that we do like to ask all of our guests at the end Mike, of the show. Mike, do the thing. Do the thing. Do it. <laughs> all right, we'll do it. Um, so there is one question that we always like to ask at the end of our show here. And so uh, we here at the Movement Docs, we believe in always moving forward in all that you do. Based on all of your previous experience and knowledge, life, love, the pursuit of happiness, what is one piece of advice that you give to anyone listening to this show to help them be the best versions of themselves? Uh, Mel, let's have you go first. Um, I think my answer kind of is, it already lies in your question. Just And it's going to sound really cheesy, but just hear me out. But um, to, to kind of just not be afraid to stay true to yourself and to do things differently than other people are doing, that's something that has been a really common theme in my life. And I found that I'm the happiest when I'm doing what I genuinely, what I, sorry, when I'm doing genuinely what I want to be doing rather than um, what I think is expected of me or what I think I should be doing. Um, and I think just... Being in touch with who you are as a person is important to be able to do that um, and to know yourself and to spend time with yourself and really, truly getting to know yourself, you know? Um, and and so then you can be true to yourself because people always say that, you know, they're like, oh, like, do your own thing, like, be true to yourself. But I feel like a lot of us don't really know what our priorities are or what's important to us. And I think developing that relationship with yourself and then 
staying true to that person um, has been, has definitely changed my life um, in a lot of ways. So I think that would be my um, advice. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. You know, it's uh, when you get your kind of like inner world and your kind of like perceptions to match uh, how you want to be viewed on the outside, um, that's where you truly find your bliss. And so you follow the things that you really care about and, uh, and you get that to match and you spend time getting to know yourself and who you are and then stay true to that. And then that's, that's where the, that true happiness lies. That's awesome. Um, I think what I would say right, is something that my neuroscience class always reminds us, which is error equals information. And by that, it means like a failure is only a failure if you don't learn from it. Um, mm. And just to be willing to be wrong, check yourself to see if you're wrong, be open to that possibility, and then use that to correct and grow totally that made me think of um have you guys read the book uh being wrong adventures in the margins of error no it's on my list yeah it's on mine as well <laughs> <laughs> it talks it talks a little bit about what you just said taylor about um you know like uh being wrong or getting those errors is is like you said information and helps you kind of grow to be better there's like some sailor quote where it's like uh, you uh, you fear the sailor that's never weathered a storm or something like that. And it talks about that. You know, if you're always right, then you never know the struggles and the growth that you get from being wrong and the information that you get from being wrong. Um, so that's that's awesome. I love that. Error equals information. Cool. Well, Belle Taylor, we can't thank you enough for taking the time to be on our show. Uh, if anyone listening to the show wants to get in contact with you, what's the best way that they can do that? Um, my Instagram handle is my name, taylor.eckle, um, and the blog is taylor.eckle.com, and that's probably the easiest okay. way. I do that have my email. Okie dokie. We will do that. And then for me, basically the only platform I'm really active on is um, Instagram. And so that's uh, Oreos and Squats. Cool. Yep. <laughs> is it Oreos and A and B or Oreos and Squats? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Like what okay. you're typing is right. Okay. Sounds Wait, good. <laughs> so you realize that it also spells Oreos sand Squats? <laughs> That's <laughs> like, did you get, you guys ever follow like Donald Glover, the childish Gambino? Mm -mm. You know who I'm talking about though, right? Like yeah. rapper, actor, comedian. Um, he, he registered a Twitter handle and he named himself Don Glover. But oh, yeah. <laughs> when you spell it out, it looks like Dong Lover. <laughs> <laughs> and so he was like, I had to change it. <laughs> Wait, what'd you say, Taylor? You might want like an underscore or something in there. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> it just reminds me of that because like even, even with like I know exactly what those words are supposed to mean, like reading people's handles – Sometimes there's like words that like blend together and it's just, it's just funny sometimes. 
Yeah. Do you ever realize you've been saying someone's like handle wrong for a year? And then you're like, wait, that's, <laughs> that's not what that was this entire yeah. time. I feel like that's happened to me so many times. Yeah, like they'll be like Oreos and squats, and I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. I mean, it's the price of being <laughs> IG famous. Yeah, I wouldn't call it that, but you know. It's because everyone loves Oreos and squats. I, so they're like, I relate to that. They're like, I relate to that on a spiritual level. So I'm going to follow this girl. <laughs> See, I started following you because I like sand squats. <laughs> What are sand squats? I have no idea, but that's what my brain saw when I looked at Mike type out your thing. That's like when when Will was on, and uh, we typed out his name. And, like, if you spell his name with just – hold on. Can you guys see the Google Doc? Yeah. Yeah. So, like, if you spell his name like this. Oh, that's like we. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's like – that's like Roman numerals. Like, yeah, so because on. he has so many I's and L's and he's the second, if you capitalize the I and lowercase the L's, it just looks like W, Roman numeral 3, M, Roman numeral 3, S2. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's... What did you say? It would be funnier if it were S4 or S5. Yeah, I mean, he'd be more like a Star Wars robot, but. Yeah, I'm doing more like sensory testing. Do you guys seriously not make S4 oh. S5s? Oh, you're talking about the anal wink. <laughs> Oh, we we made yeah we made okay now I get I get I'm picking up what you're putting down Taylor. <laughs> I I'm sorry my call to Aquino was disrupted and I couldn't I couldn't really think I was losing bowel and bladder function everything was a little crazy for a moment but now that my lower motor neuron system is like regulated itself again I think I'm all good. Well, that's a relief. <laughs> the, um, All right. I'm good. Hmm. C7 ballers. Giving people the finger. You and your PT school jokes. We uh. If I can leave you with any PT school um, knowledge for you, it's one of the class mottos that we stole from I think uh, Josh, the ATSU Mike. Um, mm-hmm. Exude confidence and compare bilaterally. Oh. 
That's all you need. Yeah. That was our PT school moto, or uh, not moto, motto. YOLO. I have like Drake's song in my head. I can't speak right. Jeez. It's okay. I was tripping over my words as well, so. <laughs> I think you're just doing it to make me feel better. Uh, yeah. Of course. <laughs> All right. Oh. On that note. <laughs> well, th- thanks again for tuning in this week where we spoke with Mel and Taylor. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, or have a topic that you'd like us to discuss, shoot us an email at tmdmovementdocs at gmail.com. Thanks, and we'll see you next week. Mike, when are we going to get our smiley face blood tattoos? <laughs>